This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Jason Roundsville. Welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. I'm joined today by my co-host, Dylan Ray. And we have straight from HHA Sports, we have Chris Ham with us today. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. We're glad to have you. I know HHA has been one of our, our longtime supporters and corporate partners. And so it's it's great to have somebody on who's been with us for, for a while. And, and uh, we welcome you. So, uh, you know, just, just give us, if you could, give us a brief background about you and kind of your role, not only at HHA, but I know you've got some other things going on that I think our listeners would like to hear about. For sure. Yeah. I mean, my, uh, my late father who, well, it'll be, we're coming up on the two year anniversary of his passing here next week. Uh, he founded HHA back in 1984. I was nine years old at the time and uh, it's the only job that I've ever had. So I've been very, very fortunate and very blessed to be a part of the archery industry, archery community for for a great portion of, of my life. So um, that being said, uh, my primary role at HHA nowadays is VP of operations. Uh, my brother, who I run the business with, um, does all of our uh, design work um, and is more on the manufacturing side. So I'm, I'm more on the marketing and marketing and sales side uh as well as uh operations day-to-day stuff so excellent and then so so tell for for maybe those that don't know and i would imagine most of our pope and young folks do but 
tell us a little bit about HHA and what you guys specialize in. Yeah, so our main our main bread and butter has been for probably the better part of the last two decades, uh, the optimizer and now the Tetra uh, single pin adjustable site. So that's that's kind of our wheelhouse and where we where we've made our kind of our claim to fame over the last couple dozen years. Um, back in the mid '80s, you know, we we originally got into to stabilizers, AeroRest. We actually made a broadhead at one point. We were one of the first folks to come to market with a corrugated cardboard deer target. Um, so we've done a lot of stuff over the years, but it wasn't until that optimizer site came out in the mid nineties that really put us on the map. And, and then our kind of our rise to stardom took off from there. And, and we continue to be one of the leaders, if not the leader in, in single pin movable site technology and in the archery world. And, and again, like I said, very, very fortunate, very blessed to, uh, to have such a, a great following. And a lot of those folks are, are obviously Pope and young members. Don't be, don't be so don't be so humble, Chris. You you lead the you lead the game in the pack in that 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 game. Well, I I appreciate the uh, the kind words, but uh, I, I wasn't always as humble as I am now. So I try to try to err <laughs> on the side of caution, and, and humility is my middle name these days. So I, I found that uh, when, when you don't wear that badge, it uh, can get you in trouble. So no, yeah. we talked about this. We talked about new technology. Um, I guess last episode, Jason and. Uh, you know, we, we touched on how there's so much good technology and everybody makes great stuff now. I mean, you can go anywhere and anything you buy is going to be quality stuff. But then you look at something like an HHA and you can tell it's just, I mean, the quality and the and the, and the fill and the, the craftsmanship and, and the functionality of it. It's just, it's just a fantastic site. Yeah, absolutely. So, and once again, we're, we're pretty uh, particular in a lot of cases on, on who we have for corporate partners, and, and we're super proud to, to have you guys on board with us. Well, again, we, we appreciate the partnership. And, I mean, just going back to our, you know, the comments that you made about our product quality. I mean, that's one thing about being, we're, we're you know, we started our company in central Wisconsin. We're still there. We're only a, a handful of miles away from where this business was founded, and we source the majority of our materials right here in Wisconsin, Minnesota, Illinois. So, um, and do all of our own manufacturing in-house. So it's, uh, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's much easier to control quality when you can just walk down the hall or go across town to our machine shop and and basically get with the folks that are running those machines and say, hey, we need to make a little adjustment on this. And so so our, we're, we're very adamant about quality control. Uh, we've got a great, great group of employees that, that are very... Um, very proud of the work that they do. And so, I mean, that, that obviously shows in the end product that ends up on the shelves and ultimately out in the, out in the deer stand and out on the, on the tundras and, and getting used to, to take all these Pope and young glass animals with. So. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you don't want to have that moment of truth where the trophy of a lifetime's in front of you and you don't have the right gear. For sure. And I mean, a lot of us, you know, my brother, myself, Scott, my sales manager, I mean, we're all, we're all hunters here and we, we abuse our stuff. So we know that it's going to have to stand up to, to the elements and, and, you know, traveling from state to state and sometimes halfway around the world. So we, uh, we pride ourselves in making a, making a quality product here in, in the U S and standing behind that with a, with a warranty that's second to none. And that, that has really carried a lot of weight and, and gotten us a lot of business over the last couple dozen years. Excellent. Well, now I know talking to you, gosh, you know, it seems like forever ago at, at the last ATA, um, one of the things that you guys do is give back, especially in regards to veterans. 
And so can you tell us a little bit about that program? I believe that you you started that, correct? Yes, I did. So it was about a half dozen years ago, I, uh, I started volunteering for our local Honor Flight chapter. And for listeners that aren't familiar with what that is, Honor Flight is a, it's a national organization. There's about 130 chapters across the country, and they send veterans of World War II, Korea, and Vietnam to Washington, D.C. to visit the memorials that were erected in their honor. And so I started as a ground volunteer working for our local chapter and absolutely fell in love with the organization. And driving home from the airport one night, I just got thinking, man, I've got a, I've got a super successful for-profit business. How can I leverage that? to raise money for this, this cause that I love so much. And so I decided to start putting on archery shoots in the central part of the state here in Wisconsin and just using all the relationships that I had garnered over the, you know, over my lifetime in the archery industry and, and partnering with some of those folks to get uh, donations sent in to use for silent auction. And so that was 20, 2017. We put on our first three shoots. We raised $15,000 that year and did those same three shoots in 2018 doubled our our raisings to uh to almost 30,000. We added a fourth shoot in 2019 and raised about 45 grand that year. So basically in 3 years time we raised just under $100,000 for our local honor flight chapter. Outstanding. And it was something that uh that obviously I'm very passionate about. I'm not a veteran myself, but I have a great respect for anybody that will put on a uniform and and defend our country and if it wasn't for those folks, you know, we wouldn't have a podcast. Pope and Young wouldn't be a thing. No. HHA wouldn't be a thing. So I'm, I'm very, a very staunch supporter of, uh, of our veteran community. And I think it's just a great way for us to give back. And so as a result, I ended up uh, starting HHA USA in 2019, which is a 501c3. And now we're, now we basically have our own fundraising bucket that we can move around the state of Wisconsin and hold these shoots and, uh, you know, give back to honor flight chapters. And then we're also very passionate about the 22 vets a day that, unfortunately take their lives and so we've partnered with three other organizations there that specialize in getting servicemen and women out hunting and fishing to help combat ptsd so very good i you know i think that's i think the hunting and fishing is one of the only things that keeps me sane and and i don't even have the uh the ptsd from any kind of uh you know veteran stuff it's just i, I think it's one of those things that just helps calm people down and, and gets you out in nature and and allows you to appreciate things and just slow it down a little bit. Yeah, I would agree a hundred percent, especially in the, the day and age that we live in when everything is so technology tech, driven by technology, it's nice to just be able to unplug. And, and I know I look forward to every fall when I can, can get out on my 160 acres and just, just un, unplug for a while and, and just get out in nature. And I mean, bringing home an animal is, is kind of a, a bonus. I just enjoy getting out there and just enjoying God's creation and just getting away from the, the stressors of life. And so I, I can't imagine how, uh, you know, somebody that does suffer with PTSD, how much more impactful, you know, our sport is to them. So. Yeah. I, I'm thankfully not, not in those shoes, but I, I know if, if I don't get enough time outdoors, I just get grouchy. I, I've noticed that too. I mean, I just, I make it a point, even in the off season, I have a reminder in my phone every week just to, just to get out to my farm and whether it be to take a walk or go check trail cams or something. And, and if I end up deleting that and getting busy with my week, and then a couple of days later, I, I have a little bit of an attitude with myself when I realize, <laughs> hey, I didn't take my trip out to the woods this week. Yeah, there I'm you go. When you, said, when you said I've noticed that too, I thought you were going to say you've noticed that too about Jason. Like, Jason, yeah. you ain't been in the woods <laughs> enough, my friend. <laughs> 
I'll tell you what, I'm just so happy because it sounds like Canada is going to be open for this fall. And I, I don't know if I could go another fall without seeing Alberta. It's just, it's, uh, it's my second home and I cannot wait to get back up there. Yeah, that's awesome. It's it's great to to see things opening back up and getting back to some kind of of normalcy. It uh, it's been a long year and a half, and uh, we just booked up our our booth and our hotel rooms for for twenty two for uh, for ATA. So it's going to be great to get back there and and be able to shake some hands and and see folks face to face and and hopefully put Zoom in the in the rearview mirror at least for a week. Yeah, you know, and it's Zoom's a tool. You know, it's. Um, it's it's a useful tool for for business and for people to stay in touch, but man, it seems like lately it's the only tool we get to use. Yeah, I think there's a lot of Zoom fatigue floating around. I know we've got it at our office, so like I said, it's going to be great to get back to some face to face interaction with people. And um, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm, I'm excited. Twenty 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 one has been a been a big big year for HHA, and and we've got some good things coming. So we're we're excited. Excellent. Well, uh, now are you going to make Reno? Are you guys coming out to the convention? I don't know if we're going to make Reno or not. We're uh, we're still kind of up in the air on that. Unfortunately, at this time, we uh, we're so busy at the office trying to trying to satisfy demand for product that that we just we don't want to do anything to compromise that. So, as much as we'd like to be there, I don't want to I don't want to make any promises and then have to break them. So, yeah, it's um, I know with that you know with canceling virginia obviously due to covid and then you know once again we were ready to go or pretty much ready to go in april and had to push it back with some of the restrictions in nevada um we're so excited to be able to be a go and it looks like it's going to be a hundred percent capacity um very few restrictions if any so we're super excited to do it but uh it's busy you know everybody's has things going on plus it's in summer which is is typically a tricky time too for people they tend to get busy yeah i mean obviously the the beginning of the year of trade show season is always busy and then you know in the typical year things will slow down april may june but then once once fourth of july hits it it depends any given year some years it's july 5th other years it might take till the 20th 25th of july but once once the doors open then it gets pretty crazy until till october and the leaves are falling and obviously with everything we've experienced in the last year year and a half um summer 2021 is going to be a going to be a grinder but knock on wood we're uh we're doing well as far as getting supplies from all of our suppliers and um at this point i think we're only about a week out on delivery which in this day and age is insane that's, i mean yeah that's we've, fantastic we've we've been in worse situations pre COVID. So, I mean, I know some of our competitors are, are weeks, if not months out. So we, uh, we've got a big opportunity to capitalize on, uh, on what I think is going to be a big summer. So. Good. Well, good for you. Well, uh, any, any big things coming up with HHA this summer, any, any exciting events? When is your next HHA USA event? We've actually got one of those this weekend, uh, Saturday, Sunday, right, right here in our hometown. It's actually, ironically, the club that my dad kind of got his start in archery, and it's only about two miles from our office. So uh, we don't travel a real, real great distance from from our home base here, at least for now. For HHA USA, we've got eight shoots across the state of Wisconsin this year, and I think the furthest one is about an hour and a half from uh, from our location. But yeah, so we've got an event this weekend that'll be that'll be four down, four to go. Um, it's definitely a grind. We started middle of May and, uh, we wrap up Labor Day weekend, but, 
uh, like I said earlier, it's just, it's a very rewarding, rewarding thing for me. I just, I love giving back to our veterans and, uh, pretty cool thing. We actually have, I, I met a gentleman through social media. He's a, he's a veteran down in Tennessee that's starting a nonprofit similar to what we're doing. And he's actually bringing up three of his board members and four of his, uh, I'm going to call them recruits, but they actually actively recruit veterans into the sport of archery. So we've got eight, eight veterans taking a road trip from Tennessee up to Wisconsin this weekend to kind of see what our shoots are all about. So I'm, I'm super excited about that and just, just humbled that they see value in what we're doing and that they're going to come up here and, and kind of let us show them, show them the ropes and hopefully get them off on the right foot. So nice. Well, that's good. It's always good to give back. And it's, uh, I've heard it said, I don't know who coined the phrase, but if you can't stand behind our troops, feel free to stand in front of them. Exactly. And that's one thing I said uh, at our first shoot. I mean, I, I didn't serve, but I've, I'm, I'm humbled and honored to serve those that have served. Uh, and I've got nine or 10 volunteers in my, in my group that, that help put these things on every weekend. And three of those gentlemen are actually veterans themselves. So it's just, it's been a great, you know, I'm going to say a five year stretch kind of when this whole thing started as a, is just one little one little shoot in central Wisconsin and now it's it's grown into something you know this year we stand to raise in the neighborhood of you know maybe a hundred thousand dollars here in Wisconsin for our vets and I honestly believe that this is only the start of things I mean I think at some point this could expand to other states uh where we're where we're doing HHA USA events in Pennsylvania Texas Florida who knows um and so one of the things I did this summer uh actually we're yesterday was the first day of summer i guess but we're uh we just launched our own podcast for hha usa just to kind of get our voice out and, and get our message out to the to people in other parts of the country to to kind of hear what we're doing so outstanding and so where where can people go to find that uh our podcast i mean you can find that on pretty much any anywhere you download your podcast so i mean it's on apple it's on spotify amazon um, org is our, our website for our nonprofits. So you can read more about what we're doing there. And then, uh, as far as our, our for-profit business, that would just be com. So. Excellent. And so tell us, uh, Chris, tell us a little bit about your, your bow hunting. What do you get to chase? Everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people think, you know, for as long as I've been in the industry that I'm going to have this huge trophy room at my house and that I've, I've trotted all over the globe chasing everything with four legs and um that really isn't the case i just i traveled so much for hha and promoting our business for the first you know 20 years that i was back working full-time i kind of got burned out on the on the road life so as a result of that i don't really go anywhere to hunt in the fall um which surprises a lot of people but i've got 160 acres 15 minutes from my house uh it's a old family farm it's been in our family for over 100 years and we've got some nice whitetails running around on there. And I just, I love spending 40, 50, 60 days each fall out there. And I mean, it's, uh, the beauty of that is, you know, I'm, I'm the only one that hunts it. I've got, um, basically work from home. So, I mean, if I get up in the morning and the weather's nice, well, I guess I'm going to go sit out in the, sit out in the stand and see what happens. And if not, I decide to go up to my desk. So just very fortunate to, to have that. I know a lot of people don't have that luxury. So that's, that's kind of the extent of my, my hunting but it's it's very fulfilling and it, it, it allows me to get out and uh like we talked earlier just kind of kind of relax and unwind and and occasionally i i might uh might bump into a nice buck so excellent that's that's nice to be able to have a place to go like that 
Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's really neat to be able to to kind of track deer from one year to the next, and and hopefully ultimately end up harvesting those. So I've got I've got one buck that I nicknamed Houdini last year that I had a few encounters with, and unfortunately didn't seal the deal on him, but he did make it through the season, and now I'm just kind of anxiously awaiting for for trail cam picks to pop up, and if he does show up this year, he'll be a probably 160 inch deer in the you know that five-year-old age class so which is a it's a good deer anywhere and it's a really good deer for central wisconsin so absolutely yeah i don't you know i can't imagine who wouldn't be happy to have that one no i mean i was i was fortunate enough to take my my best buck to date uh two years ago and he was 153 out on that same farm so and so what um you know when you're looking at, at bucks like that how many do you typically have on on that size property. I mean, do you usually have two or three that you're kind of keeping your eye on or what does that look like year to year? Um, I mean, a, a deer of that caliber, I mean, I'll have, I'll have one like that. I mean, last year, I think I had, you know, he was running around, he was probably in the high forties, low fifties last year. Um, and then I had a couple others that were, you know, that borderline Pope and young, you know, one twenty, maybe, maybe one thirty. Um, and then a lot of smaller bucks. I mean, I I had more bucks on my property last year than I think I can ever remember. I probably had fifteen or twenty different bucks frequenting my property. So, it, it's Dylan. Apparently, he doesn't have guys like us sitting next door. I'm very <laughs> fortunate. My, uh, my my neighbors are are really really good as far as quality deer. I mean, occasionally somebody's going to shoot a smaller buck. That's going to happen. But all in all, um, great relationship with my neighbors, and we're all kind of on the same page as far as trying to trying to grow big deer and i think they they see that you know if they if they pass them up for a year or two and then all of a sudden they start getting a big guy on the camera it's like yeah maybe i can hold off on on shooting the little ones so yeah yeah dylan and i we're not there yet we we still target the little ones and there's absolutely <laughs> nothing wrong with that it's only been in the no. last handful of years that i've kind of you know i've shot enough deer over the years that i've, I've kind of graduated into to holding out for the big ones and when you do it uh it, it makes it challenging that's for sure because i mean you're basically after one deer most of the time but uh two if you're if you're fortunate but uh when you when you do seal the deal and, and score on one it makes it pretty rewarding especially when it's on your own ground absolutely especially if you've seen pictures from multiple years and you can see where you know this this buck was two years ago last year and then here he is this year so adds yep. a new dimension no, it definitely does. Every uh, well, I've got a handful of cellular cameras now, so now I'm now I've gotten lazy and I can just sit on my couch and wait for the pictures to come in. But it's uh, it's it's still fun going and checking cameras. I'm always like a kid at Christmas to see what's going to show up this week. So, yeah. See now, now you you just need to adjust your narrative on the uh, cellular cameras. It's not that you're lazy and you just want to sit on the couch and check cameras. It's that you don't want to disturb the area. True. I think that's what people are telling us now. Yeah, no, let's let's yeah. go with that because I actually enjoy the exercise. So yeah, I just I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to bump my uh, bump my target bucks out of my sanctuary. So there you go. How many do you? How many cameras do you typically run? Oh man, I mean, with the connections that I have in the industry, I'm able to to barter and horse trade. So I think right now on 160 acres, I've probably got 20 cameras. Okay which might be a little excessive, but again, like I said, just with my, with my connections in the industry, it makes it pretty easy to come upon cameras. And so I just, I enjoy using them and uh, enjoy putting them out and I, I keep my cameras out year round. I like, I like, just like getting pictures of, of game 365. So. Yeah. 
Now, do you do, uh, you have turkeys in that area too? Yeah, we have a lot of turkeys and I don't know for whatever reason, I just, I never, I never got the turkey bug. So I, I let a handful of, uh, of close friends come in and uh, relatives come in and turkey hunt every spring. So I think this year we went, I think we went two for two. I had uh, my cousin down and a, and a close friend of mine. They both were able to get birds last year. I think we were four for six. I had a couple of those guys had multiple tags and they just, for whatever reason, couldn't, uh, couldn't shoot straight the first few times. But yeah, I've, I've got a pretty good turkey woods as well. So Excellent. That makes it nice because then you're getting kind of pictures of all kinds of goodies. If the camera goes off, you never know what it might be. Yeah, the last three or four years, I've had uh, I've had a bear that likes to show up, and unfortunately, had uh, had a couple wolves this spring, but luckily they were just passing through. But yeah, it's uh, it's fun. I've had bobcats. I mean, plenty of coyotes too, and cranes. You 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 name it. It's just uh, it's always it's always fun pulling the pulling the camera cards to see what shows up. Yeah, I would have to think wolf would be at the top of the list, but kind of the strangest thing you've caught on a camera. Um. Boy, I don't think, I can't think of anything really super bizarre that I've had on camera other than, you know, some of the guys that like to play pranks on me when they're turkey hunting and they take <laughs> pictures that probably aren't made for prints. So. <laughs> well, you know, that just shows you you need to hide your cameras a little better. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's funny. Well, it's good, it's good to have the uh, the jokesters in, in the crowd sometimes. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Now, I know this year was just, you know, you mentioned it earlier with, with ATA coming up. I think I just saw that their registration just opened up. But yeah, yeah, we, um, just, we just booked our booth about a month ago, so. It is, uh, you know, last year with shutting down all of the shows, I, I, I have to tell you, you know, here with Pope and Young, we rely on those to get out and get in front of people and, you know, I was telling my staff, a uh, an email is not a phone call, and a phone call is not a handshake. And for the last year and a half, handshakes have been strictly forbidden. So it's it's made us, you know, change up the way we do things. And and I, for one, cannot wait to get back out and and get to sh- to show season this year. Yeah, no, we're eager to get back out there as well. I mean, I don't think. I don't think we lost as much maybe as an organization like yourself would have. Um, you know, we've, we've got reps that travel the country for us. We've been around for 40 years, so we've got a pretty good um, networking relationship, you know, virtually, whether it be through email or through phone calls or, or other relationships with our dealer base. So, and, and the fact that I think uh, with everything being shut down, the demand for the product was so high that, you know, Kind of like if you build it, they will come. We had we had people knocking on our doors trying to get products. So uh, it was right. kind of a unique situation. So even though we didn't have the in person shows, I don't think it uh, I don't think it negatively impacted our business. But at the same time, I, I'm like you. I'm a people person. I love being able to have a one on one conversation face to face with somebody, shake their hands or give them a hug. I mean, it's uh, I definitely miss the social aspect of the shows. Yeah, it's. Um... It's just one of those things. It's hard to replicate on the phone, you know, and, and you can talk to people once you have that, you know, rapport and relationship going, it, you know, a phone call is, is just fine. But boy, when you're, especially when you're reaching out, you know, with, with us, we're trying to expand a little bit, you know, we're expanding our corporate partner program a little bit. We're expanding our outfitter program and, you know, changing a few things and, those are a lot easier to communicate in person. 
Definitely. I think the biggest thing that probably hurt us is, you know, launching a new product. You you can't you can't put a physical product in somebody's hands over a Zoom call. So it's it's that that you can't replace unless, you know, we're fortunate enough to have physical sales reps in those territories. Sometimes it's a uh, you know, it is a phone call. Well, try a half dozen of these. If you don't like them for some reason, we'll take them back. So that that definitely was probably the biggest challenge that we were presented during trade show season. And and a lack of it is that you can't physically put products in people's hands as far as seeing yeah. the new stuff. Yeah. And people like to see the new stuff. What's, Oh, what's the latest and the greatest. Yeah. And I mean, we've got a lot of great partners that do a lot of good things as far as virtual shows and, and don't, don't get me wrong, but yeah, it's, it's hard to, hard to replace just, just, just like a handshake. You can't replace putting a new product in somebody's hand. Absolutely. And so what, uh, any new products on the horizon for you guys that you want to let people know about? Yeah, 2021, we came back, we got back into the stabilizer business. So our, our first product 37 years ago was a stabilizer. And we, we've had a few since then, maybe two or three different models, but we got pretty heavy back into stabilizers this year. And that was, that was exciting. And it was a good venture. It kind of allowed us to branch out into something other than sites. Um, and then our friends over at Hoyt decided to put a Picatinny rail on the front of their new bows for this year. So uh, we're one of a handful of site manufacturers that has a Hoyt-specific uh, Picatinny mount. Um, so instead of mounting the site to the side of the riser, it now bolts on the bolts on the front with a with a Picatinny rail similar that you'd put a put a gun scope on. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if that kind of thing catches on. Seems like a smart idea to me. Yeah, it's definitely different. I mean, it kind of took us off guard because we didn't we didn't know anything about it until I think it was probably November. Their engineering department got a hold of us and wanted to wanted to work together. So it didn't even make our 2021 catalog that was already basically in print or or too far down the tracks. But, it, uh, you know, we did get it on the website and we're able to produce a video for it after the fact. So and we're, we're selling some because, I mean, Hoyt's got a big following and uh, it's a it's a novel idea. And I think uh, I think it's going to going to gain some traction here. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it how it catches on or or if it catches on, I guess. And then uh, talk to me a little bit about stabilizers. This is something um, you know, I'm not a target shooter. I'm a, a you know, hunter, bow hunter, 3D shooter, that kind of guy. And when when you look at the uh the podiums for all the the target stuff, these guys all have those great big long stabilizers. And I, I personally have not noticed the difference when I've put a stabilizer on or when I've taken it off to me shooting any better or worse with or, or without it. It just doesn't seem to make a lot of difference. Have you guys done some research or what's your experience been with that? Does it make a difference in, in your shooting style? Well, I think, I mean, everything has evolved so much in the last 20 years. I mean, you look at the technology, I mean, a lot of these bows now are good enough where you don't even really need a stabilizer on them. And I know that sounds dumb for a guy that's trying to sell stabilizers to be telling that to the public. But, but I mean, the bows have gotten that good. At the same time, uh, when I got into starting to shoot these, you know, competitive 3D shoots through my uh, through my charity here a few years back, you start getting out 40, 50, 60 yards, those longer shots. A stabilizer, especially a, a combination of a front and a back bar, definitely come into play. And I mean, I think about, um, you know, some of our guys and some of our customers going to the total archery challenge where a 60 yard shot is a short one. You get out 80, 100 yards, you need all the balance and all the help you can get. So I think that's why you've seen 
front and back bars take off, even on a hunting side of things. Um, because we, we didn't get into the, the competitive, the target side. So we're not making the 20, 30 inch bars where we've got a six, a eight, and a 10, and then we have an adjustable stabilizer. Um, but that being said, the, I started shooting a back bar four or five years ago, and I've, I've noticed a big difference in especially my long term or long distance shooting by, by having a back bar on a, on my bow. Okay. Yes, that's one of the things you see a lot of people running them, and I've tried. I've never tried the back bar, but I've tried it, you know, the front several times, and I I just haven't. Maybe I just haven't given it enough time. But it always comes down to, for me, you know, living in the West, you know, running up up hills all day long. Uh, a lot of times it comes down to to a weight issue. Do I really want another half a pound, you know, hanging off my bow that I've got to cart up the hill, down the hill, up the hill, down the hill? Um, and I, I, it's, it's been hard to justify, but boy, there's so many people that are just sold on them. They just, I mean, some guys wouldn't go without them poundage or not, you know, whatever the weight. Yeah. And I'm definitely one of those guys now. I mean, like I talked earlier, I don't do, uh, do the out West thing, but I mean, even for whitetail hunting around here, I mean, you don't want to, if you're walking back in a half mile into the, into the woods, you want a light bow, but at the same time, you know, some people have different preferences. I don't. I don't personally mind shooting a heavy bow, especially if it's going to allow me to be more, more consistent, you know, just by adding a few more ounces. So I've, I've noticed a big, big improvement in my long, long distance shooting since I've added a, added a front and a back bar. So. Excellent. That's uh, I'll, I'll have to give it another, give it another go one of these days. Well, what I know, a guy. I, I know a guy, so. You know, a guy. Excellent. That's I, I'm, I'm get, I'm here just long enough now that I'm starting to know some of those guys too. And it's kind of handy. You bet it is. Yeah. How about you, Dylan? You shoot a stabilizer? I do. And I run a back bar as well. Um, I like heavy okay. bows, um, you know, less affected by the wind. Um, it's, it's once you get to full draw, it's just like a rock. It just holds on target so well. Um, so, so I do run a back bar and I actually love the back bar because then when I'm carrying my bow, the back bar, you know, if your hand's on the grip, the back bar runs up your forearm, and it just it makes carrying the bow easier. Um, so although it's a little heavier, you've got a place where your arm kind of just braces, and it, and it carries easier. And, and uh, so, so I've always liked a back bar on my bows. Nice. And you've, you've seen it make a difference? Oh, yeah, absolutely, especially like Chris is talking, uh, heavy wind. Um, heavy okay. wind, it's, it's a big difference. But uh, once you – yeah, once you get out to uh, – the longer distances, you can definitely tell a, a big difference in your shooting. Well, maybe I'm just not good enough, and that could be the case. <laughs> well, I, I think you're being too hard on yourself, but I think a lot of it depends on application, too. I mean, if, you've, if you're if you a tree stand hunter, you know, 20, 25 yards, it's not going to come into play as much. But like I said, if you're if you're dabbling in that 3D world or, or wanting to shoot longer distance, it, it's definitely nice to have the ability to to add a back bar and, you know, add additional weights and kind of change the balance on the bow. So, and I think as more and more people have put quivers on bows too, it's, it's nice to kind of have that option for, for kind of balancing your, it's almost become a way to fine tune your, the balance of your bow. You know, it's not, it's not just screwing a stabilizer on the front and the way you go anymore. It's, it's become more of a science to it. So. Gotcha. So you're offsetting the, the weight of the quiver on the other side. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I, I understand the logistics of it. It's just always been something that fascinated me because I see so many people doing it. So do you shoot with I'll, do you shoot with your quiver on, Jason? 
Yes. Okay. See, that makes a big difference too. Like I used to not shoot with a quiver on, um, because I just hunted in a tree stand. So I'd hang my quiver up when I got there. And you know, then the sidebar wasn't needed because I wasn't offsetting the weight of that quiver. So I was just curious to know if you shot with the quiver on or off. No, I shoot with the quiver on and, and my quiver holds six arrows because they don't make one that holds eight. <laughs> uh, they, you know what way back in the day they did i think i had i think when i first started and i wish i could remember the brand yeah i may still have it up in upstairs in the shop but i had a quiver that i think it held eight arrows in the broadhead hood and then it had two additional spots on the outside for like judo points and stuff you need ted nugent's <laughs> and, quiver he has like 10 arrows in his yeah, that's. I think that I think I had a ten arrow quiver at one point in time. Man, or so. you just you guys just need HHA sights. I they only need four. So, oh, there you go. <laughs> Absolutely, I love it. Now, there, that humble just snuck out right there, Chris. Well, yeah, I mean, I yeah. I, I slip up every <laughs> once in a while. So, I love it. I love it. Yes. So that's uh, what. Once again, I don't ever. I, I hope not to need six arrows, but I'd rather have them and not need them than need them and not have them. Yeah, no, I now, don't I've blame got, you. Yeah, I've got buddies that they'll, they'll go out with like three, and I'm like, man, that's ugh, boy, that's just that's you're you're just one branch away from from not getting the job done. So yeah, when you're when you're 15 minutes from your hunting spot and and. 25 yards is a long shot you only need four if i if i go through four arrows i think i'm probably done hunting for the week and i'm gonna have to reassess maybe what i'm doing for a hobby yeah yeah see see mine i wind up getting out there and i'll i'll be going through the woods next thing you know oh there's a you know grouse at 65 so i'll I'll give that a shot and there's one and then i just i like to have that extra follow-up arrow just in case i need it so I'm I'm not afraid to shoot an arrow. Hey, they make they make new arrows every day, right? Every day, and and you know what? We got to keep our our uh, archery industry people going. So yeah, they I'm, might be I'm a little hard. To, part. They might be a little hard to find right now, but they are making new arrows every day. So that's a fact. Yes. So um, sights, stabilizers. What else is in the future? You guys have your sights. Oh, that was cute. Your sights set on anything else? Um, Are you branching anywhere else? Yeah, I mean, at some point, we've talked about getting back into releases at some point. Like I said, we've kind of done it all at one point in time. It's it's just been, we've been so focused on sites for the last 20 years, but we, you know, we came out with an arrow rest five years ago. That's doing okay. We're, you know, you'd always like to be selling more, but we're, our, our Virtus rest is doing all right. We got back into stabilizers this year. So I could see getting in, getting back into the release market at some point, whether that be in a, you know, a wrist model or a handheld, but that's something that uh, um, we ac- actively had conversations about. I don't see that happening in 2022, but uh, but maybe 2023, you might see us getting back into the release market. So, yeah. And th- now, what kind of release do you shoot? What style? Oh man, um, that w- that would make a good social media post. I've got one of our original hydraulic releases that came out in ninety. I want to say we launched that in 92, 91 or 92. Um, it had, unfortunately, had a pretty short shelf life because the optimizer came out in 95. And at the time, we only had one CNC machine. So it was like, well, do we make 500 of these very complicated releases or do we make 5,000 of these really hot sites? So um, unfortunately, the the release kind of fell by the wayside after a couple of years. But I, I had target panic really bad as a kid. So um 
my dad was the early innovator in a lot of the HHA products that so he developed this hydraulic release and I, I still shoot it to this day. And it, it's quite a conversation piece out on the 3d course. Cause you don't, you don't see anything like it. It's kind of like the first computer it's big and it's clumsy, but it works. Yeah. Very good. That's uh yeah. My first release was a tr- trophy hunter maybe. And it was a pretty basic thing. Had a big, big, long, heavy trigger that that pulled this shaft back and released a couple ball bearings that were holding your string and it was it was tough on strings it was everything in a trigger pull that that you didn't want but man at the time it sure sure was better than fingers right yeah no it's it's fun looking back at all those uh those products that we thought were so great 20 years ago and now you see how much things have advanced it's like man how did i how could i have used that thing back then exactly yeah Dylan, are you? Did you ever go to the back tension, or are you still shooting a? I do. I don't shoot a back tension release. Um, I, I do. I, I go back and forth sometimes between a wrist strap and a thumb release. Um, both of those in which I try to execute with back tension, uh, but I don't shoot a back tension release. Gotcha. Yeah, that's uh... sorry, John Dudley. <laughs> <laughs> You know, he made when he was on. He did make a good case for that, though. No, oh, no, he absolutely did, and there's a great case for it. Um, I just, you know, I, it's just something I've never done before, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't see myself. You know, if I was to get into target shooting, get into 3D courses and stuff, you know, maybe. Um, but but as a hunter, there's so many. And, and actually, Alan Boland, our friend Alan Boland, put out a video not too long ago about executing a wrist strap with back tension and how. You know, for hunting, for a hunting situation, there are times you have to punch the trigger. I mean, if you're shooting at 80 yards and there's a 20 mile an hour wind, um, you have to kind of punch the trigger. I mean, you can't hold it on target long enough to execute back tension. And so he actually did a, a pretty cool video about why he shoots a, a wrist strap uh, so he can punch the trigger in those needed times. So um, head over to Alan Boland's Instagram and uh, or Facebook and, and check that video out because it was it was it was it was a good video uh, because you know. There are times you got to punch the trigger. So, as, as a uh, as a shotgun guy, I resemble that remark. <laughs> well, Chris, one of the things that we ask every guest on our show is when you're heading out to the woods, on the mountain, or or on your 160, there, what is one piece of equipment, maybe a non traditional item, that you you take with you that you wouldn't want to go without? Oh man. Boy, you and you said you said a non-traditional item. Yeah, you know, so not like a knife or you know something like that. Something that maybe not everybody thinks about taking with them out in the woods. Um, boy, most of the stuff that goes in my gear bag is is pretty traditional for the most part. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a curveball out here and say I'm gonna take my Bible with me of all things. Okay. Unfortunately, we get uh, you know in this modern day of technology, when when things get bored on the tree stand, if if you've got internet, who doesn't end up scrolling? I think if you said you don't, you're probably lying. And so I just figured, well, if I'm going to sit here and read something, I might as well get a little bit of value out of it instead of filling my head with a bunch more mush on social media or reading the news. So so that's one thing that I'll do. I'll either take a devotional book or uh, or I, I guess I read my Bible app on my phone too. But that's uh, that's might be considered unconventional by some people, but it uh, 
to me, getting out in the woods, it's uh, it's a great place to get close to God, and what better way to do it than to get into God's Word? So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Bible for a thousand, Alex. How does that sound? Very nice. We'll add that one to the list. So, Dylan, <laughs> maybe you never got that one before. So, we, that's the first time we've had Bible. Well, now, hey, you know, up until this point, Jason, I got to say this: up until this point, bacon was my favorite answer. Uh, but being a pastor, um, and you know, me and Chris have had have had plenty of conversations about this. Uh, that has to be my new favorite answer because I myself, I've got a, a mossy oak waterproof Bible um, that stays in my pack all the time. So, okay, well, we will add that one to the list, and uh, that's that is a uh, that is a new one. Well, Chris, thank thank you for that one. I I've never read the Bible in the blind, but. I've probably gone through a few dozen Louis L'Amour books along the way. Yeah, and I actually read a really good book last year. It's called Life from Life from the Deer Stand, I believe, by by uh, Steve Chapman. Um, and it's it's it was a hunting devotional. I think it had about eighty or so different little two three page snippets in it. And so I I made it to the woods probably sixty five or seventy times last year. So I was able to burn through that during my during my time in the woods, and it was it was good. I ended up picking up about a dozen copies online and sending them out to a few of my friends that I thought might enjoy it as well. So oh, outstanding! I think you sent me one of those. I think I did. It's it's got the it's yeah a really hard cover, really small small yep. book. It's got the big buck on the cover. Yes, sir. Yep. Yep. So, and yeah, ironically, I ended up becoming, uh, well, everybody's got friends on Facebook, but I actually friended the author and had a handful of conversations with him and just thanked him for, uh, for a good read. Cause it's, uh, that's something that's going to stay in my pack. I'll, I'll read that every fall. I told him that, and it wasn't just to, to blow smoke. It was, it was a very good book. So that's something that's going to stay in my pack. And I'll, I'll be reading that every fall as long as uh, the good Lord has me out in the woods hunting. So it was a, it was a good, good read. Yeah, well, I guess if you're getting 65 days a year out there, you probably need more than one book. <laughs> true, true. You know, or, or, I'm sitting in the, uh, or I'm sitting in the wrong spot. Yeah, yeah. As as a Western Oregon guy, books aren't always a uh, an option for me. Although the waterproof one may have may have a spot. We we get a lot of rain, so. Yeah, and I'm I'm spoiled. I've, I'm the guy with his own 160 acres. In the last four or five years, I've been hunting pretty much exclusively out of redneck blinds. So it's kind of like sitting on my couch with no heaters. So yeah, well, you know they make heaters for those. I know, I know. I just I don't want to. <laughs> I, I don't want to have it too cushy out there, or I might not come home. So I I understand. Yeah, or you can work in some plumbing, some electrical. That'll be version two. Hey, get right. this. Chris, you'll get a kick out of this. I, I had a guy, and he was hunting out of a redneck blind, and they built this system, and I don't know if I'm like, dude, you should patent it, um, but they built this system, and basically what it was, there was a hole in the floor, and 500, 200 yards, however far away, it went to a barn. You turned on that vacuum system, so it sucked all of their scent out and 500 yards to a barn and pumped their scent out over there, and I'm like, that's insane, dude, that you go through that much work, but, but still, good idea. Yeah, a lot of work, I would say. But, <laughs> but hey, to to each his own, right? I don't, I don't know. In five years of hunting out of a redneck blind, I don't know if I've ever got busted because of my scent. But if uh, if kudos to the to the folks that did that, I guess. You know, uh, I, a little piece of advice to the guy who needs to to send his scent five hundred yards away: um, try a shower. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more so they can have like a little griddle in there and everything. I think they like cook, like they'll take a little skillet in there and cook bacon and eggs and and all that stuff too. I think. 
So going yeah. back to the not being that's, too cush, uh, um, that's that right there is you can't even consider that hunting any longer. No, oh, not man. really. It's it's kind of observing at long at, at short range. Yeah, I, mm, well, I don't know. I've I've cooked some wonderful breakfasts in the boat oh. out fishing and and ducking before. So there's uh, you know we had a thing. I don't know if you can exclude. We it had just a saying. We had a saying, Jason. We'd be sitting in the duck line and we'd be cooking bacon and eggs and toast, and ducks would fly by, and our our term was just, "Well, those were ducks." Yeah, there they go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you what, until you've had to bust out a, uh, a sh- rip a shell box open just to make a plate because everybody forgot the plates and silverware, you, you've never lived. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't gone that far yet. I, I do take my thermos with, uh, with hot chocolate if it, gets, uh, if it gets cold during rifle season. And, and, you know, being able to be in a blind, I, I am a snack guy. So um, granola bars, trail mix, the occasional... Charleston Chew might show up in my blind. So, yeah, I've, I'm a little bit of a sweet tooth. So, very nice. Well, well, Chris, I just I want to thank you for spending some time with us today and, and thank you for being such a good supporter of Pope and Young over the years. Um, we're proud to have you as a partner, uh, proud to have HHA on board, and uh, definitely happy to, to continue to support uh, HHA USA and, and the work you're doing there for veterans. No, and we we appreciate that. You know, the the veteran thing, obviously, something very near and dear to my heart. So I appreciate the uh, the lifetime membership that you guys have donated the last couple of years. That one of our uh, attendees gets uh, gets the ability to to bid on. So, and on the HHA sports side, you know, that's something that as we've become successful, we've we've gravitated more towards organizations like yourself uh, and wanting to partner with them because. Um, you know, success is only good if you if you do something with it. We, you know, we're not ones to just sit back and tuck ourselves in a corner and and buy our new trucks and live in our nice houses and and do that. We want to do something and mobilize those funds and and partnering with organizations like Pope and Young that that have the future of our sport at the heart of their their message. Uh, that that's what we're all about. So we appreciate everything that you guys continue to do for for our sport. Absolutely happy to do it and. Uh... Expect a lot more great things from Pope and Young coming up here in the next month or so. Cool. We're excited to hear what those uh, those are going to be, and, and again, happy to be a part of it. Excellent. Well, Chris, thanks again for joining us, and uh, we'll talk again soon. That sounds good, Jason. Appreciate it. Thanks, thanks a lot, Dylan.